0: And welcome to the Cane and Rince podcast. This is Volume 6, Issue 288, The Room Trilogy. You can play along with the show. The entire schedule, up, up to and including Issue 300, can be found on the Cane and Rinse website. But for those looking into the very near future, the next five issues will cover Soma, Bayonetta 2, Grim Fandango, The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, and Beyond Good and Evil. You can head to Canerince.com for the schedule beyond that, and for articles, features, reviews, links to our forum, Facebook page, and YouTube channel. If you enjoy what we do, there are a number of ways in which you can support us. We do have a Patreon, but don't worry, there's no content hidden behind paywalls or anything along those lines. If you don't wish or aren't able to contribute, everything we produce will still be free and available to you all. However, if you do believe that the many hours of podcasts that we produce for your listening pleasure are worth something financial in return, you can donate $1 or more if you wish per month, which will help us keep on doing what we do. As we recently announced, if we can hit our target of $3,000 per month by mid-November, we'll be doubling the number of cane and rinse podcasts we make next year, from the usual 50 to 100. So head to www.patreon.com forward slash cane and rinse and make it happen. If you prefer to get something tangible in return for your cash, check out our shop where you can purchase Cane Rinse t-shirts and bags to support the podcast. Each purchase nets us a couple of quid and obviously you get a very stylish Cane and Rinse piece of merch to, to support. The shop is at shop.spreadshirt.co.uk forward slash cane and rinse. Please also check out our video games music podcast, Sound of Play. You can support the, pod- the podcasts by reviewing, rating, and subscribing both Sound of Play and this one on our podcasts. Feed on iTunes, Pocket Casts, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, or wherever else you get the podcasts from. Joining me, James Carter, in issue 288, R In a room there's no other faces than Carl Moon. Hey guys. If we are together again, it's Tony Atkins. Hello. And he's waiting for us behind the door, Paul Shotton. Hello. And yes, mid-90s indie rock purveyors will recognise those <laughs> lyrics. Sorry, couldn't resist. We haven't forgiven you, don't worry. <laughs> uh, it's it's not that room we're talking about, dodgy as it may be. It's uh, Fireproof Games The Room. Uh, There are three of them, but the first one we're going to be talking about was released in 2012, developed by Fireproof Games, which are an internal dev team of Fireproof Studios that were set up in January 2012, Um, meaning this game took about six months to develop. It came out in September 2012, so a pretty quick turnaround. Um, But the reason it was such a quick turnaround is that Fireproof Studios were formed in 2008 by... Largely ex-Criterion staff, the the Burnout devs, uh, Criterion still around today, but uh, after Burnout Paradise shipped, um, some of the, the devs left and, uh, and formed Fireproof Studios in Guildford, which is a, a bit of a hub for UK games development. Um, they were initially a freelance art studio, which is why there was kind of a four-year gap between being formed and their first game coming out. Um, their work, uh, being in Guildford, they're right next to Media Molecule, and they provided some uh, artwork for Little Big Planet DLC and then Little Big Planet 2. Uh, they also provided some art for Killzone Shadowfall and Killzone Mercenary, uh, with obviously Guerrilla Games being the dev on those. Uh, and then also Ridge Racer Unbounded, uh, the DJ Hero series, which is Freestyle Games, another UK uh, dev studio and uh, interestingly, Connect Sesame Street TV. I can't say I'm familiar with that one, but (laughs) there we go. Um, So having provided art for all that, Fireproof decided to uh, make their own games. Um, For all of these games... Bar the first one, um, the fireproof dev team is listed in one list of a, about 20 names, give or take. Uh, a lot of the same names obviously uh, appear, but in the first, for the first game, uh, the designers are listed as Robert Dodd and Mark Hamilton. Uh, the writer is listed for all three is Oliver Reed Smith. Composers on the room, for this one, David Newby's listed on Wikipedia, but in the game's actual credits, Chris Green's also listed alongside David Newby. Um, The engine for all three games is Unity Worth mentioning just because uh, of recent times There's been some criticism that Unity is perhaps not a marker of quality Uh, I I disagree Uh, I think these games handily prove that that's not the case But uh, obviously that's just worth noting That all of these games are made in Unity And they don't necessarily look like every other game made in Unity I don't think, at least so as I said, the games or this game, The Room, was released on iOS in September two thousand twelve. Uh, that was iPad only at the time. There was um, I seem to remember at the time still kind of a, a stratified tier system as to what would play on which uh, device in in the um, the App Store. However, in sh- in three short months thereafter, uh, iPhone compatibility was added. That was December 2012, um, and then a further three months later, the, uh, the game came to Android. It was actually initially in the Humble Android bundle, uh, I believe, and that was on the 23rd of March 2013, and a bit more than a year after that, so nearly two years after it first came out, there was a PC port, and we are certainly going to... Uh, discuss that uh in particular um, before the pc uh, port came out there was an epilogue added to both the android and ios versions um in anticipation of the second game coming out it kind of uh it it does bridge this, i guess the style more than the story perhaps um into the into the second game where you're going into a bit more of a supernatural uh, realm i think it's fair to say Uh, Reviews for the game are pretty darn good. Uh, Metacritic average is 88, uh, and game ranking ranking average is 88.75. They're very similar across all three games, but in this case, um, game rankings only have one PC review, so not necessarily all that helpful. But Metacritic had a PC average of 73, And looking over a couple of the reviews, it seemed like, perhaps, the expectations when reviewing a mobile game are different to then when the mobile game is ported onto PC. Yeah, I think it's fair enough. It it did seem there was a lot of, there's not much story in this, or it's quite simplistic, and it's, well... You know, I guess that's a question for each reviewer and each outlet to answer as to whether you take into account the fact that this is a mobile game and then do you quote-unquote hold that against it when it comes to PC? Uh, Difficult to know. It did kind of stand out to me of a a kind of a case where if the complaint's being made, there's not much story and it's kind of a simple game. It's like, well, yeah, it's a three-hour-long mobile game. What did you expect? I just kind of wasn't sure. Just seemed a bit odd. I don't know. Um, but th- 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 I think it's a common hand- problem, though, with yeah, it goes hand in hand you know, with porting way... anything, yeah.
1: And also the fact that this is a sort of hierarchy of you know I don't want to get too bogged down in this, but the sort of PC gamers, PC gamers look kind of look down at consoles and consoles. Sort of, it's like a trickle effect. So anything yeah. where there's mm-hmm. a mo, oh, it's a mobile port, even though the fact that it, how much is it on the PC. I don't know what the price is, but it's, it's probably <laughs> for not forty quid or whatever. <laughs> so that that's a it's kind of a problem. It's well, I mean, sort I, of I always can, been like that.
2: I can speak from my my own experience of it, and we'd, we'd talk a bit more about actually when we're we're speaking about the game, and then I will go into it a bit. But I like, you know I think you know playing playing these in between a couple of bigger titles that I've been um, focusing on. I've been focusing on Zelda and um, Soma um, for the you know for a forthcoming issue. Um, mm. And having playing these in between, like yeah, they they do stand out for you know yeah a tad linear, not not enough story. Like there's a, there's a number of things that would tell you that it was a uh, a mobile game and, and not a game produced for you know PC sure. direct or console. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, you know that's down. to, I think ultimately down to the individual, not necessarily where which platform you're going to play it on. But yeah, understanding the original where it or blab there. there where the game originated yeah Yeah. understanding where the game originated from then yeah you should you should have you know maybe i don't think lowered expectations is the wrong word but i think you have to have an understanding of the platform the game was made for um yeah obviously as the series goes on yeah they they change it up a fair bit by the time they get to free
0: sure yeah Uh, i did just check and uh current steam price in the uk at least is 399 for each of the first two games which is one pound more than the launch price uh, of of the games on on ios and by uh, and now actually they're quite a bit cheaper they're uh, 99 pence or 99 cents um on those platforms having kind of been out for a bit longer and come down in price um but if you pick them up in the Steam sale, obviously there'd be a heck of a lot less than that. So yeah. uh yeah, it, it just kind of struck me as uh something that's it's of of note because of obviously if you pay $3.99 for a PC game, you expect $3.99 PC game. A mobile port makes sense on PC because you've got the mouse pointer to replace the the finger and we'll get into or the the touch controls. We'll kinda of get into whether we feel that works in this case, uh, I, I have watched a few videos of someone playing on PC, and it didn't look like something I'd have enjoyed so much after. Well, say.
2: I can give you my own personal take on that because I played the first we'll, on we'll, PC, so
0: <laughs> <laughs> we we will absolutely get onto that. But um, but it also opens up, I guess, uh, a brief discussion about the notion of a premium mobile game. Um, there was a Guardian article. Uh, in January of 2013. So uh, after it had already come out on uh, iPad and an iPhone and a little bit before it came out on Android. And there had been uh, 1 million iPad copies sold in the first in those first three months. Um, and then there was an update to that saying that uh, by the time... By the, by the time it came to iPhone, what they did was they put it out as a free demo, the tutorial area, and then allowed you to pay to unlock, so with an in-app purchase, which is not unheard of. That's just how you do demos on on the platform. Uh, and they'd had 2 million downloads of the free iPhone app, obviously with no information of how many sales that then <laughs> yeah. uh, converted into. Not 2 million, obviously. Um, but there was also discussion around uh, Monument Valley. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion about um, Square Enix games that have come to mobile platforms, uh, cave shooters that have come to mobile platforms, the notion of premium mobile games, i.e. anything that you pay more than about £1 or $1 for. um, There used to be kind of a standard app price, and if it wasn't free or at at worst the standard app price, there was kind of a notion that it wasn't going to sell well or wasn't going to do well, well I, because I think, it wasn't
2: free. Um, you know, Paul probably is the best one to speak than all of us here, because, you know, Paul's spent a lot of time playing a lot of mobile games. <laughs> um but like my two cents is yeah i i think you know we can all look at the app store or the android store over the over the years um when it first launched it seemed more than reasonable for games to come out at 2 or 3 pounds um because we've been so used to games being a lot more than that and actually it was yeah. a, it was a, a marvel oh my god i can get a, a game for 3 pounds it's crazy <laughs> and then just over the years and everybody everybody's far aware of this over the years the race to zero and yeah. Content either driven by advertisements or paid for
0: snippets pushes, of whatever yeah. it may
2: be. You know, in, if in you, you do want, I mean, the room was a, a shorter game, but you do wonder, you know, they could have taken the room and just told you, oh, if you want to play the next chapter, that's going to be another 69 pence or whatever it may be, a dollar. Mm. Um, and but I remember, yeah, it would be a big deal the fact that actually. And they were very vocal about sticking to a premium price and wanting a certain customer to, if they like their game, actually pay for their game. And It's an original idea, I grant you. But um, I think (laughs) they they were basically saying, look, it's a bit more kind of authentic to how they used to make game development. And and weirdly, I think there's been like this almost this full circle now where I tend to see a lot of games with, you know, just they come free and you almost see the free price tag and go i don't want to play that it's going to be you know somehow they're gonna you know try to get the money out of me and i'd you know i'd rather just you know give my my two pounds and and be done for it and actually there seems to be a bit of a a resurgence of that that kind of thinking but i mean paul you you i don't know if you continue to play uh, a lot of mobile games but i know back then you were playing a lot of mobile games
1: not yeah, not not so much Caesar. days. I think as you've alluded to, the, the the whole race to the bottom thing kind of uh, yeah. kind of messed it up. So now you we well, you know there is a point a lot you'd go onto the app store and as you say there'd be oh it's free and of course it's got that obligatory contained in <laughs> yeah, app purchase God. and you know <laughs> how are they going to fleece me? Uh, I mean there are a couple of games that that did the whole you could buy you know effectively unlock the whole game yeah. effectively giving you the demo so you know ghost trick um mm-hmm. uh, for example uh, did, i think it was quite effective with that um but yeah it, i think what's happened is at the time i was playing a lot of these things uh, there was still this an element of the premium price gain you know you paid uh, you know sometimes even three or five pounds as astonishing as this is to think about it, about it now but yeah, the the whole the, the freemium stuff messed it all up. So, and yeah. now as you said, we we're sort of seeing a bit of a resurgence of the sort of the premium game. So, we've just had for example on iOS this week we've just had the Witness released for example, so which is a yeah. uh, for, for I think that's I think that's ten quid. I think ten dollars. Is it? Is it? Yeah. Originally, yeah. I know it's out on iOS. Is it out on Android as well? I I don't know. It's coming,
3: uh, but
0: it's iOS only at the moment. At the moment, okay.
1: So, Mm. and uh, what's that rotten Gilbert game? That what's it called?
0: Thimbleweed Park.
1: That that has also come out on, and I think that's out on Android as well. So, and again, that's ten quid. So we're starting to see a little bit you know it's sort of steering back in the other direction a little bit there is still all of the clag you get on the uh, you know the rubbish uh, the rubbish games that basically are adverts and have just full of adverts and just a just yeah. i think yeah. i think um i've heard it referred to they're just like they're like slot machines basically uh, i
2: mean i, I think uh, um in 2012 it, the landscape was very different in in the mobile structure um yeah, yeah. definitely so i, I think you know talking about how you know, they went on to, to sell a million copies and then a fairly quick like that still was a fairly big major kind of article that you know Apple certainly themselves were were keen to promote you know this this game here and even a premium product was was his and of course their own benefit is they're taking a cut out of every single one of those <laughs> so for them it's it's the thing to do now it now that I mean it's a wild jungle out there and you know it's very hard to get any recognition and you know even you, you your download figures are huge you know it's it seems to be like that collective top 10 and if you left if you're not in there then you're going to get buried and yeah. it's it's a well no, no, place out there but um,
1: that's the issue apple for example had um a way of you know that they if you got if you effectively got them you got noticed by them you could get yourself yeah. on the front page and then, yeah. and of course yeah. it, then people see a little screen grab and something that looks oh this looks vaguely vaguely sort of competently put together oh, right, let, All <laughs> let's have a look at that and uh that's that's been the problem and i know a lot of a lot of uh developers on mobile platforms have said that getting the part of the problem is if you don't get yourself noticed in any way and i think this is even still an issue now uh if, if no one if they do, if you don't get any kind of sort of push through by apple you're basically stuffed you yeah. can't really do anything and, well, that's, the... and i get and i guess it's the same on google play as well
0: absolutely I'm having a tough time remembering specifically (laughs) how I came to find out about these games. Uh, In terms of histories, uh, Paul, would you like to kick us off? I imagine you're the first of us to find out about The Room and possibly to have played The Room.
1: I heard of it, but no, I wasn't, no. um, In fact, it was Carl that recommended it to me, I think, (laughs) in the end. Uh, So, no, I I mean, I I knew of it, obviously, but Hmm. I... I didn't. I actually didn't play it um, until it was probably about a year or so after it came out, hmm. and that yeah. was. It was kind of just around, and then I started to hear about the room too at that point. Sure. So that's yeah. kind of the, that's kind of when I played it. So yeah, Carl recommended it to me basically. So thank you, Carl. Cheers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Carl, your history.
3: How did you come to know about the room? So it was um, quite prevalent in the sort of the media that this mobile this this phone-based game uh or ipad as it was at the time was, was coming out and it it looked interesting graphically it was really mm-hmm. powerful and as as i mentioned there was the only other game that had sort of made the waves in the media like that was infinity blade uh, which was understandable that being epic themselves doing it um and it, it it seemed to very much sort of tick all the boxes of something that i would like to play on a handheld i'd i'd mm-hmm. I'd, I'd done similar things but nothing that was like a combined product of all these puzzles um uh, at the time I had an iPad uh, so I picked it up as soon as it came out um at, at launch cost uh then I never I never actually finished it on my uh, on my iPad I sold I sold it and and picked picked it up on the iPhone and played it through on my iPhone mm. uh, when when it got the phone release later in that year but yeah I was sort of there right around launch, uh, really intrigued in this, what looked to be a great uh, showcase of of what was actually possible on mobile gaming.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So for my part, just before we get to Tony, the reason I was confused is I could have sworn at EGX 2013 I spoke very excitedly with Paul (laughs) about The Room. That obviously can't be the case because... Fireproof would not have been demoing the room on iPad at EGX 2013,
1: hmm. so weren't they demoing the room too? That
0: must have been the room too, because that would have been right at, at release. Because I
1: remember talking to them going on about how much I loved Absolutely. loved it, so it was so, the room too, and it was I, ages before it came out. That's right, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, it was yeah, it was probably a month or month or two before it came out. I think. Um, because I remember I'd walked past it and seen someone standing there holding an iPad as if it were a platter <laughs> to people as they walked past trying to get people interested uh, and, and kind of had a look at it and, and saw what it was, just looked over someone's shoulder who was playing it, looked quite interesting. Uh, and then, yeah, I remember having a, a exciting or excited conversation with you about it. And that was the first point at which I heard of the room, I think. So that would have been about a year after uh, it The release of of the room um and yeah i I then picked that up and and played that i i initially played them on ipad because i had an ipad at the time um i replayed all three games um on android tablet uh in the run-up to to this uh i figured i may as well go back and replay the first one um and not just for the achievements, but also for uh, just refreshing myself on uh, it's amazing how much I'd kind of embellished the first game on the basis of what they added in the second, uh, but as Tony, you says, it's quite stripped down the first game, uh, very focused on on the puzzles so Tony yourself what what was your experience or, or how did you come to to play the room
2: um, I've only come to play the. All three rooms over the last, mm. um, I don't know, three weeks or so, mm. um, spread ac- spread across a little bit of time in between. Um, of course, completely knowledgeable of, of their resistance. Um, you know, Paul spoke very highly, both Carl spoken very highly about them in the past. Mm. Um, as you say that, you know, I think the imagery from the game is, is, is you know, it it's definitely from the room. Like if someone shows me those screenshots, even though I hadn't played for it, I I would know what it's from. So, um, yeah, it's, but it's, yeah, it's just time and place and actually, you know, setting myself aside and actually playing them for, for this particular show. Um, it's taken some time, uh, but for no other reason as it's just one of those, so many games have been released and, you know, only so many hours in a day. Um, my experience with the first one would be that I played on the PC. um, I may have picked it up in the Humble Bundle <laughs> somewhere yeah, along the possibly. line, yeah, yeah. Um, but it happened to be installed on my PC, so uh, when I went to to buy it on the uh, the app or uh, the Android store at that point, it was like, okay, well, um, you know, I already own a copy. I guess I might as well play it here. I'm not sure whether that was a, a positive or a negative um, thing, and I, we'll talk a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah, we're absolutely um, going to get into that. In I game moved on play, to the phone for the for the the two thereafter. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, Yes, yes. So I played the first one on the PC and then the next uh, forthcoming two on the uh, the phone. Grant.
0: Excellent. Well, uh, we'll we'll obviously cover any specifics about when we came to play the, the other two when we get there. But uh, in the show notes, I've put um, spoiler warning, question mark. Uh I don't think it's actually on um, spoiler warning question mark at all. I think this is a spoiler warning. Um the, the first game is light on story, there is a story to it, we'll come to that in a second. Uh and the games thereafter follow that story on. There is stuff to be spoiled about this game. Um and absolutely if you want to not be spoiled, uh I, the rooms probably two to three hours, depending upon how much you use hints and guides, etc. Uh, the second game about similar length and the third game somewhere around one and a half to two times that length. So it, it's not an insignificant uh, amount of time to to sort of dedicate to, to play all three, but it's probably worth thinking about it if, if you're interested in the games before we get tucked into story stuff. Um and before we tuck, in, tuck into gameplay discussion, uh, our first piece of community feedback from Blue Weasel Breath, who says, I don't remember quite why I decided to give The Room a try, but it may have been because it was free on my Kindle Fire. I was a huge fan of text-based and point-and-click adventure games, Sierra and LucasArts and the like, but their casual spiritual successors, the escape-the-room games that flooded the smartphone market, had never really blown my skirt up. A few of the ones I tried had some inventive mechanics that used the iPhone's touchscreen and gyroscopic capabilities, but the lack of compelling narrative, interesting art style or variation of scenery typically hobbled these games as far as I was concerned and it only took me three or four Escape the Room games to decide they weren't the best use of my limited free time. The Room is leagues beyond these games, though. Despite the name, which makes it sound like just another of these simple Escape the Roomers, it takes a mist-like tone and marries it with truly inventive and gratifying touchscreen mechanics to create something special. I think the box would have been a more apt name since the fact it takes the original takes place in a room is purely incidental, but maybe the developers feared that people would make puerile jokes about a game called The Box. Anyway, the description said it had won some awards and the screenshots looked neat enough that I gave it a try. I'm glad I did from the start. The game had an ambiance and mystique missing from its casual brethren. I have played so many misclones clones over the years that I didn't think any such game could strike me as fresh, but The Room had such an appealing and immersive aesthetic, with this complex and fantastic but somehow realisting looking device which looked like it could plausibly exist. And I can only speak for playing on a large screen device like a Kindle Fire or iPad. Results may vary on a smaller phone screen. It felt like I was actually there, interacting with the machine, pulling switches, sliding knobs, pressing buttons. I'd never played a game with such a tactile connection to the game world. Um, We'll hear a bit more from... Uh, Blue Weasel Breath later on, but in terms of a lead-in to the gameplay here, I think that's a pretty apt one, I would say. The name The Room definitely evoked in me a uh, Room Escape notion, and, and actually, it's not necessarily obvious, but I think that kind of is wh- the the easiest touchstone for uh, for this game. So Room Escape is you are trapped in a room, you have to use items and solve puzzles around the room involving furniture, decoration, stuff that's hidden, locked away that you need to you know solve clues to and uncover in order to open the door and get out. That's the premise of a, a Room Escape game. Uh, we have covered uh, one in particular uh, on the podcast, issue 184 on 999, 9 hours, 9 persons, 9 doors, which is a DS and I think has come to mobile platforms as well. Uh, game and it uh, actually yeah it has uh, but it's also come to PC um, and PS4 as well I think now part of the Zero Escape series um, that's a pretty good example although there's a lot of graphic novel stuff around it with the room there's this weird thing though that I think's worth touching on so Room Escape you're stuck inside a cuboid trying to get out with the room you are but the way you get out is by examining a cuboid from the outside and there's a weird kind of inversion there that uh, is is worth kind of representing to people because the gameplay of the room it's a puzzle game with you're presented with a puzzle box and you have to unlock various compartments in order to get deeper into or uncover more or expand the box out into something bigger and essentially get to the centre of it and interact with, I think from the very first one onwards you're interacting with some kind of supernatural material which then creates a portal that allows you to transfer yourself to the next room or the next puzzle box. Is that a fair, a fair I said that's a good explanation. That's, you've, that's yeah, what I mean. you've, you've nailed it, mate. Nailed it. <laughs> it. It's, aside from the, I think there's a really neat inversion of a room escape in being on the outside of the cube, tinkering with the outside of it, trying to get in, rather than tinkering with the stuff inside, trying to get out. I think that's that's a nice um, kind of duality there. Uh, and, and I agree with... Uh, uh, with the point that the box might actually have been a better name but they do make it more about the room as as you actually go on uh, and, and certainly once you get to the end of the second game you realise that the first the notion of it being the room makes a lot more sense when you realise kind of where you were we're touching on story stuff there but you know, spoilers, warning already been said in, in, so in, in terms of that, multi-stage puzzles and a, a lot of so breaking down what type of puzzles you're talking about, uh, physical and environmental puzzles is probably the best way to describe it. Um, something like the witness is not a bad touchstone, although obviously that's all very abstract. Whereas uh, this is all based in a kind of physical reality. You're you know. Yeah, so with the third. keys... That the feature. third is very like The Witness. <laughs> it does get, yeah, some of the Including puzzles, in the fact, puzzles of oh, the taken from... Yeah, but uh, but in, in, in this first game, it's very much the style of uh, a puzzle box. But there's also stuff that the boxes can't realistically do, which is where the notion of a fifth, element in addition to fire, earth, wind, uh, air and water um, called null comes in, which is a kind of uh, dimension traversing uh, energy uh, that, that kind of allows physics to be broken at, at times. Um, for, for example uh, the, the puzzle box may unlock when you look through a telescope at something and and, real, uh, and it makes a difference whether you wear an eye lens that allows you to see null energy and not, and there's no way the box could detect whether or not you've seen what you needed to see. Uh, so it it kind of asks you to believe that null energy exists is a thing and uh, can kind of detect whether or not you've seen something.
2: I mean, it like like many games. If you, if you start to look at it. You know, yeah. as, a, as a physical like this would be a concept of somebody walking in this room and there's this box. I mean, it, it's a little bit flawed in, in itself. Of like, well, why would anyone make a box as complex as this? Um, <laughs> obviously, that's somewhat explained within the story, but it, it is a kind of a funny like. Yeah, you'd almost. At, at times when I couldn't quite work out a puzzle, I wanted to put the box on the ground, hit it with a sledgehammer, and just take out the individual parts. <laughs> just take parts, the key
0: that's bound to a just very like, small piece of wood uh, or whatever. I'd, fi- yeah. I'd yeah. find these parts,
2: don't you worry. <laughs> but um, I mean, that's not the purpose of the game, um, no. of course. But it's. I actually, um, you yeah, know, talking about the, the room, the original room, um, specifically for a second. Mm. Um, and actually, seeing as the series as a whole, you can really see that they, fireproof Games had had a, a core concept that they wanted to focus on, and um, you know, against the other the other two titles, it's a lot shorter game. Um, it's yeah. it's almost it's a lot more focus in some respects, you know, there you start off and there's, yes, there's a small tutorial, but there there's a box on the table and you're kind of twisting and turning and looking at it upside down and, and just kind of wondering what you happen to press the first thing that happens to slide and gives you a key. And, and from there it, it's, it makes perfect sense. You're like, well, I'll, I'll move the key here and yeah, you know, it must be one of these key holes and, Yes, you find that that first one, and (laughs) that then suddenly pops open the drawer, and that in that drawer there's a maybe a note that's you know mentions something, and you're kind of looking at the box going okay. And I like the fact that it's very singular, like it's right there in front of you, and you can take each clue, and you know you can either run with that clue and find the exact thing that they're saying or happen upon something that was entirely incidental, which then suddenly you've got three or four clues all kicking up at the same time and you're spinning it around and going, oh no, yes, I understand. There's a number there that would have corresponded to that. And actually, I think that's the benefit of the first game, actually. It it keeps it somewhat focused. Um, As we move on through the series, it, it gets a little bit more complex and harder because you start transitioning between a lot more boxes and a lot more rooms and environments and pieces and elements a little bit more complex yeah but this one in particular i don't know you know you know coming to it in in 2017 and i made this comment a little bit earlier about it actually feels quite simplistic um for you know modern gaming it, it feels a bit like oh okay yeah well yeah that makes obvious sense and, and fair enough. And I found it relatively enjoyable, actually. It's just because it's, yeah you know, because it is that, you know, a little bit more kind of simple. What I would say is you know, I played the PC version and it's, and I I mean, both Paul, all of you, maybe could, I, I assume you played it on the, the various mobile platforms, be it iPads yeah, yeah. or yeah. mobile devices. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Certainly on the PC, it, it could be really finickety about, Yep. Um, pixel yep. placement as such. You, you mm-hmm. could have a clue that says, well, have you looked at the bottom of the, uh, yeah, you know, little bottom of the corner of the box? Maybe there's a little peel-up device. You're like, okay, and off you go down there. And you can clearly see something's there. And yeah. you're tapping yeah. it, you put it... Now, I'm, this maybe <laughs> happens also, because I, th- I had a little bit of this in, in the future games. But you'll be trying to pull something, and it doesn't really happen. And you think, well, okay, maybe it's this other corner. You spend your know, two or three yeah. minutes spinning things around kind of bashing your head against the wall, and then suddenly you'd find that one pixel that happens to be the one they were after, and it opens it up, and you're like, oh man, no, I just wasted, I knew it was that clue. Um, yeah. Now yeah. that certainly happens a lot in the PC version, it, it seems like it wasn't particularly well optimised for that for that platform, but I, does yeah. that happen within the iPhone games? Or the... To
3: some degrees, uh, yeah. you, you do get these little issues, but I think the big difference comes from, I mean, you mentioned straight away that it feels a little bit simplistic, absolutely it does, but At the time, it felt incredibly tactile. So you're actually interacting with the screen, you're pinching, you're you're turning, you can actually swivel stuff, Um, you're lifting stuff, you're flipping the pages. There's all these different mechanics that we have experienced among different apps, among different kinds of games, but this was to my mind the first collection of all these things so uh whilst it was simplistic and we're looking at it now and it is relatively simplistic bringing them all together was so great that when you got these little finickety moments you were kind of forgivable, um, mm. and I imagine you probably experienced more frustration doing it on the PC than you would have on the phone, where you can just, you, you're quickly swiping around, yeah. uh, and things are even quicker. You know, you're moving around these objects really, really quick, and and you, you, your interaction of just like holding on a flap and lifting it up to get underneath, and and like maybe you insert the key into like a keyhole kind of thing was it felt really natural to to anyone mm. playing it. It's it's the kind of thing where you could just Give the phone to someone, uh, and and they know exactly what to do because it's so intuitive, yeah. um, that that maybe is lost playing with the mouse.
1: And I th- also think that's that's part of its hook anyway. I mean, it's, yeah. so this is why the existence of the PC version seems a bit a bit strange. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so you sort of wonder whether maybe the uh, the, win- the versions of Windows with the with touch capabilities might touch, make more yeah. sense mm. if they bothered to actually put it in but yeah that, that's it's the tactile nature of the I mean, for the whole series is that's that's yeah. it that's the whole yeah
0: yeah hook. from moment one in the tutorial it has you kind of go over to a note and you have to slide the paper out of the envelope using your finger and then you have to open it up by sort of arcing your finger around from the top of the paper to open the note out that kind of thing um not I,
1: not, I, not I, I imagine not it not as exciting if you're dragging the mouse cursor up and down the
2: no, there's been a yeah. point and click adventure game you know, there's, yeah, there's but, certainly I mean, ways the, to interact with a mouse
1: yeah but i can't imagine it's as as no, it's of not of, and,
2: and you know having played uh, you know the, the two sequels thereafter on on the on my phone and yeah i can actually yeah i i would i would say um it's a better feeling game on a on a touchscreen device for sure and it is one of the reasons I didn't then carry on with the PC, even though I had a obviously a lot bigger screen um with the PC than I did on the phone.
0: So when you think about uh the the reason obviously why a PC port makes sense, as as I mentioned, is the mouse pointer is your finger and therefore you can do the you know, transferring and porting the game from one to the other, the same as uh uh a strategy game like Civilization Revolution works very well on a touch device because the interface is going to be the same, where your finger is the mouse pointer, that kind of thing. the The difficulty is when I watch someone playing uh, a Let's Play on PC is, um, so if you have to turn a key in a lock, or you have to turn a handle, a crank handle, or a cog, or you know, make some kind of circular movement on a touch device that works really, really well. There's a, li- it can be a little kind of fiddly where you think you're going around the circle and suddenly it starts going back on itself because <laughs> you happen to yeah. fit the wrong, you've come in slightly too sharp or whatever. But pretty much if you find the line, you can draw a circle on the touch screen and just keep going around and you are essentially turning the key or winding the handle or whatever it might be. But with a mouse pointer, the easiest movement with a mouse pointer is a straight line, and actually doing a good kind of not perfect circle, but a a good yeah, circular movement hard. around something. <laughs> there's, it sounds weird to say there's tactility here because when we talk about tactility, you know, like having triggers on a controller with feedback on on the Xbox One controller, or just having force feedback in general gives a certain sense of tactility. Um, the best thing I can kind of equate it to. Uh, that that maybe will will clue people in who who have played these games but not the the room games is the way in Fahrenheit uh, le- less so but more so in Heavy Rain. Um, David Cage uh, tried to approximate or his team tried to approximate say the opening of a drawer with a movement of an analog stick or the turning of a handle. They tried to use the controller to approximate that movement in real life. Now, that was very fiddly and didn't necessarily, I don't think, work all that well. But the idea of that is what the room actually, I think, does much, much better with. Because you've got, you can imagine the physical movement, you're tracing a similar physical movement with your hand, and therefore it doesn't really matter whether or not you can feel the texture of a wooden screwdriver or uh, a metal key. Um, and and you can feel the resistance and everything. The fact that you're tracing a movement that you know instinctively is the right movement for this box or lock or cog to make, it does give a weird tactility. There, there's a physical interaction there, despite the fact all the time all you're doing is kind of scrubbing your so finger across the This
2: is a celebration of touch devices and and actually there, mm. you know. In, in certain times and places, they're, they're actually, you know, a far more immersive experience than a mouse and pointer or a controller. I mean, that's... And when done yeah, right, yeah, it's less absolutely. of a novelty. Yeah, yeah, and I think all of us on, on the show would, would, you know, whole, wholeheartedly agree to that. And, and certainly yeah. as somebody that's experienced, you know, the Room Trilogy both ways, and I can absolutely, you know... Um, Agree that know yeah, the the the, uh, the latter yeah. of the the touch device is is the better way, but I I don't think it completely nullifies. The oh, fact no, that, no, absolutely you not! Know, somebody it, yeah. having access um, to a game, even if it's not you know the optimized version, of the way yeah. to play it uh, on the PC over the, the phone. But um, yeah, no, I I I hear what you're saying, and I, and I think you know everybody would probably agree with that.
0: Yeah, I, I think it also uh, paints well that. As we would always say on this show, when a game is made to suit the device that it's playable on, you can you can tell it it feels tailored to to the device. in In the same way that you know we talk about kind of the um, virtual D pad on a on a uh, mobile device doesn't feel like a D pad mm. kind of. Oh, well, there's I, there's that standoff. I would even say
2: actually, and, and this is. In the rooms case, and then a number of games that have tried this—the um, yeah. the kind of the swap over to between um, mobile devices onto PC—is mm. you know this kind of even the, even the original um, first room game it, it has chapters you know it has a a yeah. kind of a a bitty gameplay to it you know it's de- it's designed in some respects although you know you can equally see a lot of people sat on there with their iPads or you know Android devices on their laps and, and playing through the game in one sitting but equally yeah. I feel like the game is designed for, you know, on the move. It works you know, as a each, 15, each,
0: 20, 30 Was there
2: five boxes chance. in the first game? Yeah, um, yeah. the first know, one's quite short, like, but yeah. yeah. 20, 25 minutes. Yeah, it's that kind of travel sure. time experience, Absolutely, which, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, translated to the PC doesn't quite feel right. And I, and I do feel... it's like, more odd. And I really do feel like, you know, having played this game, you know, a good few years after the release, it, it feels lacking, um, for me anyway, in maybe in just... I mean the story's there and actually it's interesting to see the origins of the story because you you got to assume that they didn't know they'd be getting a sequel or two sequels thereafter and they tend to get grander as the series sure. goes on. Yeah. So yeah. but there's there's certain elements there that they 100% planted in the hope that maybe the game would sell 5 million copies <laughs> and they'd get the chance. Yeah. yeah. Um but yeah it feels quite bitty to me. Um mm. and going for it I just it's it's funny because I I have issues with the third game more I think than than both these two, but um yeah I don't know about you but it so, sometimes I felt I would go down the kind of dead ends um not quite knowing where I needed to go with the puzzles I was trying my best not to look up solutions um, sure but yeah. as always you know time. Time pressures of, of doing anything is you know there was one or two I was like I just I don't know where I'm meant to be going. This like the clues yeah. aren't leading me that, there. And actually, yeah. as I said earlier, there was a, a few times where I was really frustrated in the fact the clues had led me somewhere and I was absolutely on the right track. And then sure. the game hadn't quite activated what I needed to be doing to progress, or maybe I hadn't just read the signs. What about you guys? Was it you know was it plain sailing puzzle structure all the way? Um,
3: I've I've played many games where the feel more confusing or more out there I mean we, we mentioned even on our last recording Blade Runner how that took the point and click genre and actually made it quite linear and that was one of the better things about it compared to many other than genre where it gets quite tenuous mm. um, I mean everyone sort of remembers the chicken and the pulley from Monkey Island mm. uh, as an example and, and Everybody many other knows puzzle that games though. <laughs> yeah, yeah but this is what I mean it was so crazy like it made no sense and, and it's a very easy way for these games to go and I think the first one did a better job of keeping things. Um, not linear is a is a strange way to describe it, but it, it is how it feels compared to the others. The, yeah, you know, two, two, and three feels like maybe they're a bit out there with with their their you know attempt. And while some of the puzzles are absolutely fantastic, and, and you get to see more things, there I think there's certainly something positive to be said for how you were kept in a more. I don't want to say realistic thing because you're interacting with a box where spatially things are impossible, but more so than the second and third, things logically seem to follow an order that I never really yeah. struggled with. I think there was maybe one or one or two moments where I wasn't so sure, but I played this alongside my father. Um, so he was like a good, like, did you finish, did you sort this point? Oh yeah, try this, this kind of thing. We played yeah. through it yeah. that way where he was playing it on his phone I was playing it on mine and that worked really well. But nothing felt like... Um, like I was so lost I had to look on the internet which wasn't necessarily the case with two and three
0: so I think the fact that you're only ever in the room in the first room I should say focused on one puzzle box means that it, remo- it, it gives you that sense of focus. You, you're sure that the solution is literally right in front of you. You're not having to turn around. It's not going to be over on the wall or on the second area that you, you've you already dealt with, but you've now got to go back to. Um, so it means that your focus is, is centered on the box in front of you. And it means that every as yet unsolved portion of the box is right in front of you, you can see it it's a reminder, you're not going to forget to go back to three rooms ago with a key that you've now picked up because it's all there in front of you it does it does give that sense of focus Uh,
2: thankfully they also do the trick where if you open a section of box they leave it open rather than you can shut the door again and go yeah have i been here
0: (laughs) did i yeah so that's actually a really good point which is once you've interacted with something if there's nothing more to do with that it just takes away the option of further interacting with that so as you say tony yeah you're not going to suddenly close the half of the box that maybe you haven't quite yet finished with the all of the actions stop once there's nothing more to do with them, uh, pretty much. Um, I I do think the hint system, so there, you can turn it off, but I think by default it is on. There's no penalty for using the hints. A question mark will pop up in the corner of the screen. There is a little audible note when the game thinks you've, enough time has passed where maybe you might want a hint as to what you're doing next. And, It's usually three hints. I think there are some where it's only a couple because there's not much to say. Uh, The first one will be a vague sort of have you checked this side of the box or this thing on the box or whatever it might be just to push you in the direction of it, but it won't tell you at all what it is you need to do with it or, you know, the particulars Mm. of, and then it'll kind of drill down on hints two and three to the point where I don't think it ever explicitly just says, look, do this dummy, but it does kind of make (laughs) sure that you know what's expected of you and what where you're looking, so that uh i I certainly never felt the need to go to any f a q or anything um I did try as much as possible to play I turned hints off by you know at the start of the game and i I played through and there were i think in each of the games maybe there was maybe one point in the first game and then a couple and and the th- if it wasn't for the multiple endings, the third game I would be <laughs> fine with. But there's a lot of stuff you have to do that you're just not... Certainly, I was never going to remember without a prompt. And having those hints there did did kind of cover my bases whenever I got so, stuck. So I'm
2: expecting Paul to have done this without hints. Uh, got all the trophies. You're having a laugh, aren't you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I, I just had the hints that on. And I just, I just occasionally... I think sometimes yeah. uh, I'd occasionally be like... I don't understand what the game wants from me. And this yeah. is actually, I mean, probably less so in the first game, but across, kind of across the board anyway. And I was just occasionally go look at the hint, go, all right, I'll just, well, I'll wait the timer out for the next one, because that makes no sense, right? Okay, yeah, I know, know what I'm supposed own, to do now. Yeah. And yeah. that's why, that, that, you know, it, I think it's just, the game to me is just, is like, it's just the interaction element. That's the bit I like about it. I mean, you can, I mean, there's a, there's obviously a story sort of running through it it seems but that wasn't to me wasn't really the important part of it or why or why I think it's in yeah. any way significant I so mean, I, um, I
0: think the hints are there as a frustration saving measure if if you're getting to the point where you're that frustrated absolutely use the hint system and interestingly to the to the achievement or trophy point tony there's there are none for not using hints there's literally no punishment for using <laughs> the hint it doesn't change anything about Fair the enough. way the game plays out it doesn't uh, you know Personal void uh, an achievement or anything it's literally just they're there if you want them if you don't which is perfectly fine as well feel free to turn them off or ignore them and and you can kind of run in circles around the puzzle box until something happens you know you can almost get into that pixel hunt aspect of i'm just going to wipe my finger all over this damn thing until something happens <laughs> just keep pressing uh, i you'll not get far but.
2: i think obviously is <laughs> a the trilogy goes on. Um, you understand the mechanics it's asking for you, but certainly my first experience is quite often when it asks yeah. me to use the the lens to you know explore the the environment a little it's bit not deeper. They always, yeah, it's course. not always like they, even the hints sometimes don't even take you down that route. Uh, I I mm. always liked it, and whenever I got to a point where I'd, I had no idea what I was meant to be doing, I'd always get the lens out and just have a. Yeah, clip, that was yeah. that
1: was my yeah, that was my approach. <laughs> I, I don't know what to do. Just press this thing. Oh
2: right, there we go. Um, yeah. And always, Every Every but even, even then, I mean, I remember one of the first puzzles that lens is you need to look at the numbers kind of with inside that box, but you need to look at them yeah. at a certain angle. From perspective, and, it's a regular puzzle. But Riddler there's like a half a <laughs> dozen different numbers, and I was kept like, yeah. inputting numbers. Like, what do you, like, that was one of those moments It's like, well, this is the first puzzle, maybe just give me. Yeah, you know, the four numbers that were required for me to kind of access yeah, would have been yeah. better than me having to kind of like no wrong angle, no wrong angle, no wrong <laughs> angle. Okay, it's probably it has to be yeah. this one. Yes, it works.
0: I, I think the games do get better in that respect. In the second game, they they put more a, a more obvious sheen on surfaces yeah. that will show something different yeah. through the eyepiece to see the null. You know, I'm thinking of kind of the the ship sail. You can see before mm-hmm. that comes down that there's kind of it's like a, a oily. Uh, it's like reflection. a mother of pearl kind of exactly. look. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, you get that kind of uh, rainbow shimmer to surfaces that are likely to do something if you put the eyepiece on. Uh, and in the third game, they pretty much just put sparkling stuff in front of anything. <laughs> but uh, uh,
2: to the story point of view, though, I I I really liked the the way there was. You know just little snippets of information, and you know every time I opened the drawer and there would happen to be a letter in there you know I would take the time to to sit and read it and you know it kind of felt like I was you know chasing um somebody along along the way, and you know they were they were the one kind of influencing the reason this box existed and you know it was always quite weird as it were when the box you got to go kind of inside the box um I think that happens more as you you progress through the later in the series but when you go inside the box, and it's almost like it's, mm. it takes up the you know the same amount of space in your room. <laughs> it's like okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, am I a miniature? Is the box just got really big? And it, that made it, made it always feel a bit more supernatural. But as, certainly in in the first game, um, you know, having the box just kind of feeling like it's directly in front of you. I really like that device.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and you're quite right, Tony. Time is marching on, so we should probably get onto uh, the story and that aspect of it. Which is light on the first game, Uh, but before we do, we've got a couple of other pieces of community feedback that I think fit in here. The Reviewist says, I'd always assumed the games would be a typical room escape puzzle, as I'd tried a few cheap and nasty similar games, but none had been more than a mild diversion with puzzles that were rather pedestrian. Imagine my surprise at the sheer attention to detail and sheer artistry that went into this game, not to mention that earwormingly creepy, tinkly main theme. Not only that, but the subtle undercurrent of occult mystery and the ongoing quest to find the secrets of the mysterious A.S. and his dabblings with null energy and doors between realities. Indeed, contrary to some others, I found the framing storyline was a huge draw throughout all three games. The first leading you down an unnerving path only realising too late that you've been following the trail of a doomed man ending deliciously with the hint that you are now trapped as he is with an ethereal flash of him in the cracked eyeglass in the final mm-hmm, seconds yeah. and his haunting final letter where he mentions seeing a fleeting shape that might just be you and praying you never followed him. Um, so we've talked about the fact that these are puzzle boxes. Uh, I think the Cryptex from the Da Vinci Code is is probably a reasonable touchstone as well just because, you know, it has that kind of... Um, Renaissance-era mechanical uh, curio aspect to it and also the kind of mythology behind all of that. Mist um, is a reasonable touchstone as far as gaming goes. Mentioned 999. Uh, as far as being on the inside of a puzzle box, uh, Vincenzo Natali's f- 1997 film Cube is uh, a personal favourite of mine and kind of came to mind when I was tinkering with puzzle boxes and suddenly found that I was in someone else's experiment almost, especially by the third game. Um, and uh, if you want an idea of what this game looks like, just Google search Victorian Puzzle Box and bunches <laughs> of them pop yeah. up and you just think, Hidden yeah, boxes. that's exactly the aesthetic of this game. It, I don't even need to explain it any more than that. The game is... Uh, is it, I mean, I guess you don't really know when present day is necessarily, but it's a period setting. And the latest date that we see in any of the games, I think, is 1903. But you're talking like 1880s for a large portion of what's going on, but you jump around in time. So we're definitely talking 19th century. Uh, There's a lot of runic imagery, again hinting at the kind of uh, ancient lore that's behind the null force and what it is and the various people that have interacted with it. Um, second piece of, uh, of community feedback in, in reference to the story is the second half of Blue Weasel Breath's uh, contribution. Uh, Thank you very much for that. And Blue Weasel Breath says, these days I generally play games for the narrative experience and typically don't get into games that don't contain at least some sort of quasi-narrative hook, so I was surprised to find that the room's nods to a backstory, those memos and journal notes that were flying around, were to me completely superfluous. I barely cared about what they said and was just having so much fun playing the game, futzing around with the ever-changing contraption. This issue became more salient in the second game, which I still enjoyed, but quite a bit less. Instead of the single elegant box that contained most of the first game's puzzles, the second game had more puzzles distributed around the environment, involving more of the room, as it were, and had more little journal pieces lying around. I'm afraid I found these changes to be to the game's detriment, as I didn't care about the backstory and felt like the game lost what made the first one special. I found many of the Room 2's puzzles to be more run-of-the-mill and it began to feel more like a standard Mist clone as compared to the original. Still, it was full of clever puzzles, so if you liked the first Room, I'd heartily recommend the second. If you can only pick one, go with the original for sure. It's one of the most enthralling games of this genre I've ever played. Uh, Obviously, that goes into the second, which we're going to have to get onto pretty sharpish. But uh, on the story of the first, piecing it together from the second game actually it's clear that you've been some kind of cu- you've become curious about a person referred to as AS and you end up at their house in the first game um there, the note there kind of hints that maybe there's some kind of invitation or you were expected um and that AS wants to share what they have found about the null element which is an element that allows dimensional travel or allows stuff from one dimension to come through into another, that kind of thing um, in the first game there's actually only initially without the epilogue seven notes left by AS uh, across the five different sections of the game um, and as hinted at there they they get increasingly disturbing to the point where I actually started questioning what AS's motives were because it seems like starts off. Here's the work that I've done. I'm really excited to share it with someone who might appreciate this. And by the end, it's almost like a warning of, I really hope no one's following yeah. me down this yeah. path. And, and as the reviewer said, just a bit too late because you've already, you've already gone too far, you know, to go back uh that that's pretty much the story from from the first one uh the epilogue introduced a bit more of the supernatural ending with the image of probably as uh and a bit more of the kind of subliminal uh messages in that horror style of sharp <laughs> sharp uh discordant note accompanying image that's right kind of in your face and uh uh, using the eyepiece obviously adds to that because there is an aspect of you know uh apprehension as to what you're going to see when the, you put the eyepiece on and stuff from another dimension starts bleeding into your uh psyche as it were um it's feel free guys if there's anything else to say about the story in the first but that's kind of it I, th- I think
3: it, it, it is kind of a loose story it, it's kind of there as a, as a backdrop to everything it's else a thread, outside yeah. of the game um the, the gameplay seems like it was more of a mechanical test for the the hardware that it was created on so for, for utilizing these inputs to the phone that's what it felt like with the first yeah. game when they added the epilogue uh it was it was I assume that The Room 2 was already planned. The Room had been a success and it was leading into this, well, how do we uh, grow out our game? Well, we'll have this element and and we can build on it and we can actually do something with this. So as much as Tony and I alluded to earlier with the the game feeling quite linear with its puzzles, it definitely feels that way with the the story as well. It is uh, a very, very loose backdrop to why perhaps you are interacting with this box and nothing more than that. And it does become... Uh, a more focused element across the yeah. second and third
2: I, game. I don't entirely see that as a a negative. I think in some, no, in no, some no, regards, um, less is more. Like, there's a little bit more kind of just mysterious. And like you say, James, um, I felt like, you know, I was there with the best intentions and then suddenly got caught up in, in something bigger than I should have done. And, you know, it's it's not like it you know they it was just taken from underneath me but it it was quite interesting that i was like oh i'm just messing around with this box and oh my god i've i've been sucked into a different dimension um and i yeah i, I kind of like the fact that it's just you know it's presented in, in just a little little bits of you know sn- uh, little snippets of inf- information and you kind of start building you know more layers on top of that information it's yeah. you know we all get to free but it's one of the issues of free which is you know they go you know, head first into story, um, and add so many elements on top of it that it, it at times it can come a, a little bit confusing. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I think probably two is where they they hit a bit of a, a more sweet spot of you know both pu- puzzles and story emerging yeah. together. Um, but I, I certainly enjoyed. You know, I wanted to see more after getting to the end of end of one, and I want to see where the story went and and essentially where I've I've gone.
0: So the, the notes in the room are a thread that kind of pull you through the the puzzles if the puzzles themselves aren't, the puzzle boxes themselves aren't enough. Um, but actually, a lot of the story that I've kind of, or the, the premise of the story that I've read out, you don't actually find out until the room two, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, really, you can kind of piece it together, but it's not clarified and uh, kind of... Uh, built upon until the second game and boy did they build on it in the second game um, I think it's probably apt to, to roll into that and just kind of quickly say The Room to developer still Fireproof Games, publisher still Fireproof Studios, the writer still Oliver Reed, Reed Smith uh, composer Chris Green with original theme by Dave Newby um, Engine still Unity, it was released um, again, iPad only uh, December 2013 uh, so it was three months after we would have seen it I guess then Paul um, and then iPhone a, a month later in, in January 2014 uh, Android a month after that in February so the-, the progression was getting a bit quicker but the PC release again wasn't until more than two years after the the, um, the first game had, had released although uh, actually the PC release was later for the Room 2 than it was for the Room 1 in that respect um, again, reviews eighty eight for Metacritic, so exactly the same, and eighty nine point seven two for Game Rankings, uh, so slightly higher. Um, we kind of covered our histories. In my in my case, uh, I played the room one and then rolled straight into the room two. Uh, I was so taken with it. Uh, is, is there anything to add for any of you guys as to when you you played this?
1: No, I pretty much grabbed this day one, so yeah. uh, that was that was Would it. Would have been the same
0: for me. Yeah, I didn't actually play this until
3: a lot later. Right. Um, as, I, as I mentioned, when I was playing the the first game, I was playing it on an iPad. I had an iPad at the time. By the time this game had released, I no longer had an iPhone. I no longer had an iPad. Um, so I was left waiting for the Android version. And when it dropped, mm. I was too busy with other things. I mean, one one of the major elements we've got with this podcast is when we're covering a string of games that we're on in a row you don't have a lot of time to play other things yeah um and, and that was certainly the case and with it being released it, it felt like quite a quiet release by the time it had come to mm. android it was certainly a lot of a quieter release across all formats than it was for the first game um and even more so for the third but uh, as, as a result i just it sort of slipped my mind mm. by the time i'd got round to it and it wasn't until um it was actually mentioned for that we were going to be covering it this this run of uh, this volume right. that i actually got round to finally playing the second one
0: and uh tony as you said you you played it back pretty to much match, yeah. in, in in the run in yeah <laughs> uh, yeah i played back to back but that would have been back in early 2014 probably i think uh I did pick it up on on release day but didn't get around to playing it until a month later once I played through the first. Um, Not that it took me a month. but (laughs) Um, uh, As far as gameplay differences, they're pretty minor. I had some issues with cloud saving, making the menus run really slowly on an Android tablet. Um, Just like it would hang for a minute or two at a time. Uh, and then once the music started playing again, I'd know I could kind of interact. But uh, in-game, it was absolutely fine. It was literally just the menus, just a weird thing. I, I guess when you're developing for Androids, every single different uh, device can be difficult, but this did seem like it was a cloud save issue, possibly. Um, there's a new hexagonal pattern that you're trying to match up at the end of each level I mean, that, that's literally what we're talking when we talk gameplay differences uh, they, they've they uh, put a bit of a higher or not necessarily higher resolution but uh, it certainly looked a lot better particularly the UI Um, there was a an added kind of focus effect when zooming in and out it would kind of uh, blur the outside of the screen and, and uh, kind of swoop in and out um, in a bit more uh, just a bit more kind of uh, visual flair and polish to the whole thing uh, it added in what we'd seen in the epilogue, which is kind of room transitions where a door would open up uh, and and kind of swoop you through into the into the next room. Um, just stuff that kind of fleshed out clearly what the idea of the first game was and make it a bit more of a kind of rounded um, experience. So the story, uh, Paul, <laughs> would you like to uh, to? Give us your kind of take on the story.
1: I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> as I said, as I said before, this is the it it these game because it's the same kind of game, and that's fine. Yeah. You know, it's all for me. It's all about the just manipulate what's going on in the, the world. Yeah. I, if there is what's a story, you, I, yeah. I, you mentioned someone else mentioned. The, you know, they just got carried away with all of the, the twiddling knobs and stuff. And that, yeah, that's yeah, pretty yeah. much in a nutshell absolutely my approach to this game. So I honestly. I couldn't tell you what the hell was going on in it. Also, it's not. I played it a while ago, so it's not exactly fresh. In, whereas Tony probably is a bit fresh in his <laughs> mind, I suspect. But even so, I'm not asking anyone to uh, <laughs> recount the tale because I don't know either.
0: Okay, so, um, Tony, you, you played this as recently as I did, although it was my second playthrough. <laughs> uh, what's happening in the story? <laughs> uh,
2: once again, its it's. I think there's a lot to be said about this story and I think in, in 3 they, they, if they double down it and the second one they really they go for it in the, in the third one but yeah it's not something that particularly stuck with me even by the end of it um, other than I, I really like the the aesthetic of, of moving around between worlds and kind of being mm. lost in space and time uh,
0: So I, I, I can certainly have a stab at stringing the story together but before I do uh, Carl, was the story something that particularly grabbed you in this? Um, It's
3: weird because when I come to play mobile games, the majority of the time I'll play with the audio off. It's just a personal preference. I'm able to play it in certain environments where I couldn't if the sound was on and I might not necessarily want to wear my headphones. Um, But I did appreciate the letters. I enjoyed reading them. I liked the fact that there was a story which was grounding me as to the purpose of why I was trying to do something. Mm -hmm. I didn't take it all in and look for some deeper meaning. Um, as I would with many other games, I do appreciate a really good narrative to a game, the fact that they actually even attempted to put one in there. um, I admire... It's a bit hit and miss because I also agree with things that, say, Blue Weasel Breath said, where it was maybe to the game's detriment, whereas Mm. the first one felt more fluid um, as a result of not buying into all these things. So I, I, I can sort of see it from both sides... I did like certain elements that uh, lent on certain puzzles. So, when you're going through the Aztec uh, route whilst you're doing um, Aztec puzzles, and then, you know, almost medieval ones in three, yeah. and, and, and why you've got the purpose for being within this time period and building on and, and sort of living through the stories or the experiences that other people have had. Um, you it, And it gives a purpose to some of these great rooms that you're in, such as uh, the one with the uh, table in the middle, uh, in the in sort of the Wild West kind of uh, uh, element, or, or when you're sort of in the castle. And, and I really did enjoy that, mm. but I didn't enjoy the game because of that you know. I I felt like the gameplay and the story were two very different elements um, and you could very much enjoy the game for one or the other. For Mm. me it was more about the mechanics and playing with the sound off and and just solving puzzles.
0: Yeah, I I think that's absolutely fair especially when they did set the scene with a game that was, uh, as we've said, fairly light on story. You certainly can read the notes and kind of try to work out what's going on but it's not really possible. I, I certainly couldn't put everything together in a way that I felt sure I knew what was going on until the second game where they do kind of backfill some of the story. Yeah. Which appears to be you play a person who knows something of what AS is doing, which is trying to uncover and work out how to utilize and control the null element, which is an element, as I say, like fire, water, uh, air, or earth. Um in terms of the kind of archaic notions of of elements um, that involve some kind of interdimensional travel. Uh, When you arrive at A.S.'s house, A.S. is not there but has set up, uh, in the attic seemingly, uh, a series of puzzles that cause you to interact with the null element um, and ultimately, at the end of the first game, suck you into a different dimension. Or or it'll suck you into uh into the the null dimension if you like that allows you to travel in time and space etc. But you have no ability to control that. Um, so at the at the beginning of this game, there's a note saying from AS saying this is where I think you're going to come out if my calculations are correct. Uh so clearly AS yes, has more of a grasp over the null element. And then each so you're not only jumping in space, but you're also jumping in time. So uh you start off following the path of a grave robber into a crypt, which is at the end of 1883. Uh the the um seance room that you mentioned looks a bit like a sort of gambling type room, which yeah. is the is the second to last room that you go into, I think. Um it is actually uh, six months earlier than that uh, seven months earlier than that uh, and there is a note there about a brother who has disappeared and someone called maggie cox who is clearly being uh not blamed for the disappearance but is is trying to profit from the disappearance uh my hypothesis is the brother who disappeared it's potentially his grave that the grave robber's going into uh maggie cox is either a magician or magician's assistant or confidence trickster who is associated with Simon Grayson, who is also known as the Great Can, probably a magician, a performer, entertainer. And a terrible football manager. (laughs) And it seems like uh, he and Maggie Cox have some kind of awareness of the null element and are potentially using it in magic tricks. But all of this builds to a notion that you are following a path through time that is being traced by the null element Uh, and some of it you are intersecting with AS but uh, there's a note on a skeleton that appears in the seance scene which as I say is the second to last uh, which reads I had to wait here to see you on your final step of the journey everything is in readiness. take this it gives you a key, use it to find the room, AS, which seems to indicate that AS actually died setting all of this in motion um, and in the hope that you are clever enough and cleverer than AS was uh, in order to take the final step that he was unable to Um, that said, there's then a note from AS in the lab scene so clearly he has travelled to there 20 years later as well and then kind of come back. So, um, And ultimately, the the way this all plays out is you interact and get sort of transported around by the Null and then appear back out in A.S.'s house and basically hightail out as the house is destroyed by giant black tentacles. (laughs) Pretty much. Uh, So it, it... it goes full supernatural by the end, you know, the, the null element is allowing some kind of Cthulhu monster to come through into, into the world, but you have escaped where AS could not. Um, you're certainly not any closer to controlling the null element, but that's kind of my reading of the story as you manage to escape it. Hopefully that makes sense. Uh, it does if you play the if you play the game. I'm not. If I'm, you've I'm not the sure. Games,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're if you have fresh um, ears to it, wherever it does, but
0: but I, I think it's it's a testament to the fact that actually, if if you want to play through the games and kind of just see the story as uh, window dressing and scene setting and not really necessarily worry too much about it, that's perfectly possible. Because certainly, I agree. the The thing that kept me going through was the puzzles and the progression of the puzzles and and seeing how they would unfold and learning what using what i had learned previously to kind of supplement and, it's funny in, in a way uh, because we haven't
2: really talked massively about the puzzle structure um yeah i think some of it is because having played all three games back to back it's hard to remember which puzzles belong to which games mm-hmm. at this point because i mean there's similarities of course that shared between them um can you, anyone think of, of anything that really happened in the room too that really stood out? I remember the, the so ship I, puzzle I, I, was pretty good.
0: Yeah, so the, the ship room's kind of the one that I would you know, uh, go back to. Because and... it, it typifies the way that you have to interact with stuff around the room, and it's not just that there's a puzzle box here, a chest there, and then a model ship that you're interacting with. It's actually also that there's a pillar with uh, a couple of dials on that you have to use. Um, you know, there's stuff like that. Uh, you can see outside the window that you're actually at sea in a ship's cabin, um, and and it it does in- introduce, as we mentioned, that element of you're not just focused on one box. You're having to go back and forth between mm. two or three different uh, elements, and use things that you take from one. You unlock a compartment in the back of the ship and pull out a key that then you go and use on the um, on the chest. Uh, some of the, the, I think you do this in the first as well, but the keys you have to manipulate and rotate the, the teeth of the key in order to yeah. make it fit different locks at different times and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And again, it'll give you the key back if you need to use it again, it'll take it away if, if you're done with that now. So it, it definitely fleshes that out so that it's no longer just a puzzle box, but the the room becomes more of a a, a setting and an environment rather than just a black backdrop, almost. Talking about how the, the games kind of develop and move on, it, it probably makes sense to step into the Room 3 now because there is a progression happening here throughout the games in the first where it's puzzle boxes, puzzle boxes, puzzle boxes. And then in the second... Where the rooms that you're in, the setting you're in becomes more of a plays more of a role, to the room three, where I think it's fair to say uh, after I've introduced kind of the the game, it's fair to say that it it takes that to its natural extension, and it'd be interesting to find out how you guys feel about this one because it's uh it's quite different from the first one in many ways. Um, so the room three. Again, developed uh, by Fireproof Games published by Fireproof Studios same writer, Oliver Reed Smith uh, Composer this time round uh, goes is listed as Sound Cuts Limited um, so possibly different personnel involved there, certainly the names of David Newby and Chris Green don't pop up here um, still Unity Engine and this one was released in November 2015 so a, t- a two year gap between the, uh, the the second and third games, bit of a longer gap. Um, iOS and Android simultaneous release and PC version. Uh, there there was a tweet uh, answer sent out saying no immediate plans. It is something they would like to do, but uh, as of two years after this game came out, uh, n- nothing yet. Um, but you know, keep your eyes peeled. It may well come to PC as well. Uh, this actually received the highest rankings. Uh, maybe kind of. Speaking to the fact that this is a more fleshed-out game, whether or not we enjoyed it more, it did review better. Uh, Metacritic uh, score of 90, game rankings uh, score of 90.91%. I only played this in the past couple of weeks. I just hadn't got around to playing it. uh, Past couple of weeks, past couple of days. Uh, I hadn't got around to playing it until the the run-up to the show, um, and I went hammer and tongs after all endings, 100% completion, took me about six hours or so to do that uh four hours 15 minutes i think it was to get to the first ending um we might have covered it but just quickly you guys uh tony obviously i guess you you played this this week um paul and carl that this has presumably been something you played fairly recently
1: uh yes uh, in fact, I, I started playing it ages ago, and then stopped playing it, and I've only just recently. I've done the first ending. I haven't done the the other ones. But mm. um, but, but also, I did this in four hours. It's like my my mine's like five and a bit, I think, which is a bit worrying. I don't know. I don't know. I well, don't know. Mm. What am I doing wrong?
0: It, it de- <laughs> so it depends how much of the stuff that contributes towards the multiple endings you might have done, because you can get quite a long way along those paths, and then find they don't actually contribute anything to the base ending of the game so that's why you might go from 4 hours to 6 by the time you actually get all the endings because there's quite a lot of involved stuff that that you might do on some playthroughs and not on others so it will be quite variable
3: Yeah, my playthrough of this was uh, also this year after seeing the lead up to the shows. Um so yeah relatively recently for me as well
0: Uh. I imagine when we talk about uh, gameplay and aesthetic differences, there's only really going to be one thing to talk about, probably, uh, which is going to be the, the location. So uh, the reviewist, the final part of what the, the reviewist had to say, um, is uh, on the third game. Uh, the third game stands to me as something of an anomaly. The concept is sound, with the player becoming unexpectedly drawn back into the other dimension but it somehow feels stretched and less fun in various ways. The Craftsman feels like a surrogate AS rather than having a personality of his own, and the story is just more of the same, although the multiple possible endings do provide some closure. There's also an issue with the ongoing puzzles. The first game was all about a table and a box, or some variant thereof, Puzzles were intriguing, but usually the stumbling block was that you simply had missed a small, oddly shaped bolt or a switch on a corner or something. The second game ran this idea wider, with sometimes two or three different puzzle areas within each room. It was challenging, but never tiresome. The Room 3 widens the concept further, where at times you are solving puzzles stretched across two or three rooms, each with two or more different tables or mechanisms within them. At times, it simply becomes boring to try and remember the multitude of small holes, levers, switches, which you haven't yet activated. And lord help you if you put the game down for a few days (laughs) mid-puzzle. While still interesting and by no means not fun, the third game feels overcomplicated. Perhaps part of this is that the original fun was stepping into each new room and beginning a fresh puzzle. In the room three, the puzzles are so interconnected that it loses that sense of satisfaction as each puzzle usually requires three steps taken and each other puzzle to compete completely, <clears throat> rendering it a chore rather than a pleasure. Still, the trilogy is a great gaming experience especially on tablet devices, and I gather on mobile as well. Despite my uh, gripes about Room 3, I've still got some fun from it, and with the promise of a fourth installment there's yet more fun to be had. Um, so the reviewist thank you for the, the comment, by the way um, kind of hit the nail on the head as to, to what happens here, where um, you start off in a train, you are, you've are you left the house, uh, it's made pretty clear that you are the same person from the previous games, you've escaped AS's house and are travelling down to the south coast for reasons unknown. Um, and you are then presented or you're then contacted essentially by the craftsman uh, and it transpires that you have the eyepiece that you've had for the previous two games hidden in a compartment in your trunk which suggests that you know it's something you need to hide and something that you need to keep secret uh, which kind of speaks to maybe the business that you're on and what you're trying to do uh, and that your curiosity about the, the null hasn't died with escaping AS's house and the craftsman sequesters you to Greyhome, which is uh, his house. Uh, I say definitely his, not just because of craftsman. but you actually see him at the beginning of the game um, tinkering about in the house when you are in a, in a locked room, unable to kind of reach him. Um, and And the entire game is set in part of this very large... Uh, and not even house, like mansion, uh, <laughs> or or even castle, uh, and and you have several separate rooms within that to explore at your kind of leisure, as it were. Um, you you open them up, kind of in a certain sequence, but you do get to the point where you can access all of them, uh, and and the kind of end game with the multiple endings plays into that. Um, so what do we think of as ha- uh, having a hub in Greyholm? With the various different paths leading off from it and uh, that kind of fleshing out into a, not just a series of locations but one location uh, that you're exploring around, how did that work for for you
2: for me I mean it's the natural arc hmm. of of a game like this you know it gets grander the, the further it goes and for any complaints that people would have had that the first one maybe is just you know a bit of a, a you know, fun Fun time, kind of throwaway, kind of puzzle game. By the time they get to to three, they've they've really you know they focused on a, a fairly deep story. What you know, what they see as a fairly deep story, um, and multiple elements of puzzles across many elements of uh, multiple rooms with many elements in those rooms, um, and it can all there's there's plus and and negatives that it all becomes a little bit overwhelming at times. Um, as the reviewer said, there's at times I was like, well, I'm I'm studying this puzzle. Do I want to be here? Should I be over there? And kind of moving yeah. around backwards and forwards, and you know, almost come back to the, the the first area that I I kind of felt like I should have been and and you know, should have been. Um, but then again, there's there's a grandeur that sits within the room three, which is, is by the time you you've worked your way up to the observatory area. It it really Mm. feels like you've been on a bit more of a journey that you know you're up there kind of moving the planet, aligning the plan planets around, um, and you feel like you are kind of messing around with space and time, um, which doesn't really exist there within within the first couple of games. So I think it's you know it's a it's a double edged sword, isn't it? Really, it's they they go for more, but I and maybe the core concept feels a little stretched by the time the the game the end of the game comes around or it did for me it just felt that um I think this reviewers talked about it it just felt like I it maybe just lost a little bit of the uniqueness even though there, there's so much mm. more going on within the game yeah. but then again yeah. you know I I haven't played The Witness I mean the, there's a number of games that are very similar to this now Um mm. and you know it's it's more fleshed out but I yeah it's I don't know it, it I guess for me, it just at times I felt a little, little lost, um, which isn't the greatest feeling in, in a game. But then again, I, I should maybe sh- should feel a bit more appreciative of that that you know, the I think after the first couple being you know only one or two hours long, to suddenly be faced with six hours seemed mm. like it was you know huge, um, hugely more kind of complex and, and deeper experience.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I like the game definitely, yeah, but yeah. I, I don't know. I, I sort of the occasionally felt like it was they sort of padding it out a bit. And I, I must admit, I was, I was playing it uh, like the other day while I was, I was going through one of the chapters and I was sort of, my mind was wandering. I was mm. sort of like, I'm just mm. flipping yeah. stuff around and doing that. And I just, I wasn't really aware of what, what I was, what the point of any of what I was doing other yeah. than, other than simply uh, that, I suppose their, their way of expanding it out is just to have, you know, other, you, you go, you go to another area, but the, 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 the process of doing that is you have to tap on the door and then there's a sort of yeah. animation transition and it all gets a l- little bit tedious it's not quite as mm-hmm. fluid as the as the other two it, it is good I mean I I can't fault them for uh, you know expanding the scope of the the game and, and and all that kind of thing and it's it's certainly very atmospheric as well yeah. and there's there are some there are some quite nice, nice there is also I found there's some nice nice bits like you know the bit when for example after you are uh, kind of in the observatory you have to sort of I think you have to press a screen and suddenly you're sort of zoomed in and you're basically walking, you know, using three buttons to navigate around a little ma- maze thing. And you just sort of I remember sitting there just thinking, Oh yeah, that that makes total sense. I'll just, I'll just go, I'll just go with this. Why not? It, <laughs> it's that sort of thing is, is really well done. In other words, it doesn't, doesn't jar no, you out of the
2: experience. That's what I said earlier in the show, how it, Sometimes it tra- starts to transport you in what is just you know a small little element of the a puzzle on the table, and then suddenly you move in towards the door, and it sucks you in, and it, and it feels like you're in this a massive room, either a mouse inside a big chamber. <laughs> you just sort of go. Yeah. You just sort of go with it. There was one puzzle I found for some because of the way I had to
1: manipulate it. I think I, th- I can't remember which one it was exactly, but every time I kept manipulating it, it thought, oh, you want to exit this Mm. thing now, and all of a sudden I go about, (laughs) and I don't have to go back in again, and there was a couple of frustrating elements like that, but broadly, broadly all that was okay, yeah, I mean, I suppose, I I suppose it, it it just, yeah, again, without wishing to sort of, you know, your your correspondent kind of, Mm. kind of nailed the problem, really, with it, Uh, it's just, which is, you know, I think anyone can really see, Uh, but yeah, still, I I enjoyed it, nevertheless.
3: I appreciated the intention mm. of it. It felt like, um, as as they all have, that the games have grown in scale uh, with ambition and and you know, in making you feel more and more lost in this big, overwhelming area. So I, yeah. I quite like the fact that it seemed centralized to one thing. Um, this this huge sort of manner that you that you're progressing around and seeing all these areas. Um, I quite enjoyed it. It felt far more atmospheric. It felt like it was really going down that Eldritch kind of uh, route now. Uh, Now that it was sort of fitted into one location, it felt like they could really sort of build on that. And I think for me personally, I found the third one by far the most atmospheric, and this is without sound. Um, There were times when I did play it with sound, and it was really quite – it did add something to it, Mm. but um, just – from a design perspective, I felt like the environment that it was built in did a lot for me. I just yeah. really was not a fan of the uh, Game of Thrones puzzle. The, uh, I loved the animals inside <laughs> that puzzle, um, and I loved going in through the windows and interacting with the way that you'd open up the animals to get the trinkets, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. that actual puzzle itself really didn't enjoy it.
2: It felt like it, it lasted too long. So what what are the ends, then? Are they...
0: So... Uh, if if you don't solve either one of the two branches of uh, puzzles that are left in the the various rooms in Greyholm, um, you complete the final puzzle with the um, the dodecahedron type thing that you put on top of the the puzzle, and you shine the light through, and up pops a train door. You walk through it. And you go onto a train that it turns out is inside a puzzle box that the craftsman built, and you are forever stuck inside a null device, um, and that's imprisonment. Um, the The craftsman essentially set you a task, and you completed it, but like barely, and therefore you've not shown the ability needed to to um, to become the craftsman's partner, if you like. Um, if you Uh, complete the fortune teller stuff which requires you to know which I didn't, which threw me completely, uh, that if you pull back on the little tab where the token needs to be um, you can get a key that you take to an office, etc, etc. And you get, so in that final puzzle room, uh, when you complete the puzzles there, a couple of towers pop up Mm -hmm. and you can't do anything with them and at that point the train door's there so you can just walk through it. Um if you complete the stuff around the fortune teller, which is actually pretty long, it's very involved. You've got to get the fortune you get your fortune read like four different times by going collecting tokens from various places around the the uh around Greyhome. Um you get one of the objects that goes on top of those towers, uh, and it takes you out to the boathouse, which is one of the areas on the map that you've not been to. Um, and you escape on a boat as tentacles are like, trying to wrap themselves around you and capture you, essentially, uh, and the house is destroyed. Um, If you complete the other um, path, which is the grandfather clock, you can open up in the office. Uh, If you looked at the dial of that, there were... um, no markings on there you can only see with the eyepiece and you have to be there at a certain time of day so it introduces this kind of real life uh, aspect that clock is actually telling the real time and you have to be there at zero fifteen, thirty, 30 or 45 minutes past the hour um, and it will allow you inside to grab a crystal that you can put onto, I don't know if you remember the device that's got a purple crystal on it um, and then you get another one from the safe that's upstairs uh, and that gives you the device that goes on top of the other tower. This time you escape on the boat, but as you look back at the house being destroyed, there's, like, tentacles coming down from the sky. So you've unleashed the monster upon the world, and you get a letter from the craftsman basically saying, meet me in Bethlehem, we're going to have to try and do something about this. Uh, yeah, it's Seems not. fair. Um, <laughs> And the final ending is if you put both devices on the towers, so all of this stuff, you don't have to play through the whole game again, it just allows you to go back to the moment you opened up the door to the final puzzle area, Um, and if you you complete the paths I've just talked about, you keep the devices next time you start up the game, so you don't need to do all of this all over again. It's pretty generous in that respect. So you need the screwdriver and both devices that go on the towers. you complete both of those puzzles and screw off a little tab that you have no reason to know is there on one of them. Uh, And it allows you to see the, I guess, the true ending where you complete everything that the craftsman laid out for you. And you know when you're looking through the telescope and the final time it zooms in on the planet and there's like pyramids... Mm-hmm. on there that you have to line up. Yep. Um, You're transported there. They are essentially Aztec ziggurats uh, that are on a planet that isn't Earth, clearly. You're transported there, and one you turn to one of the ziggurats, and the doors slide open, essentially, I guess, indicating that you've been taken to somewhere prior where, you know, a room with puzzles <laughs> is for you to, to try and solve. Um So I guess that means you completed the craftsman's path and used his devices to get to the other side of where the null dimension kind of came from, potentially. And I suppose that also opens up notions that either humans have travelled to this planet before or beings from this planet have travelled to Earth because ziggurats exist on both. Um, And that's kind of the final ending. Um, and if that sounds nuts, it's exactly as nuts as it sounds. <laughs> um, and yeah.
2: and you guys didn't get the story,
0: eh? <laughs> Um So I'd, I'm presuming for all of you guys, you ended up on the train, which was my first ending. Yes, imprisonment. Yeah, yeah, imprisonment. Yeah.
1: I think that I, I presume it's some. It's in some kind of order anyway. But as far as I can work <sighs> out, it seems it seems to be from what I've seen. I but. Think, um, that's definitely the first one. Yeah, there's
0: no... I don't think there's any reason you couldn't... Because like the the um, marks on the grandfather clock, they're there all along. I just didn't right. realise what I had to do with yeah, them until the I got knowledge. to the much later. Until I'd seen the clock several times and realised it was telling the real time. And therefore I could wait until it hit one of those marks. Because um, I was trying to wind it obviously trying to interact with the hands and wind it and you can't you have to just wait um there's no reason you can't do all of that before you get the first ending um and then the option is just not to interact with the towers when they pop up and you would be able to go oh, back I and see. get the simpler ending um, so if
1: you'd basically gone around the whole place just doing absolutely everything you could conceivably do you could, you could in theory get the, lost get ending to the, first. Get the imprisonment yeah. ending first because i from what I can work out, that seems to be the the, the first ending you get, seems to be yeah. for everyone, and then just do effectively do all the other three relatively yeah. quickly, right okay
0: So yeah, that that's more or less the end game and where the story's at uh, as for where Old Sins picks up, I have no idea at this point which ending they're going to take, presumably the lost ending because that's the one where you fulfil the craftsman's goal, but I mean the the if you get the imprisonment ending, uh, it kind of looks like the craftsman tricks tricked you and just wanted to lock you in a box essentially. Because uh, as as the game goes on, you get more and more, especially if you go down the multiple endings, you get more and more hints that the craftsman sees you as a threat, uh, uh, refers to you as AS's friend, and that you're too curious and that you're being a pain and etc cetera, et cetera, to the point where. It kind of seems like he's decided he has to do something about you and maybe his motives aren't as altruistic as he makes out when he's trying to get hmm. you to help him. So uh who knows where the game will go after this. But okay, last two pieces of community feedback kind of sum up uh the, the series as a whole. So uh first from Kintaris. Um all of these I should say were left on the uh the forum. Um Like many, I skipped over the room when browsing the app stores because the generic name brought back bad memories of ropey dime-a-dozen room escape games I had suffered through in the past. That seems to be a a common uh, thread through these. The pseudo-Lovecraft aesthetic, uh, obvious even from the app title, wasn't doing much for me either. When I saw it on the upcoming shows list, I figured there must be a little more to it. Though I still found my eyes rolling at the plot and setting, I was pleasantly surprised by the core concept and the way the game moved. The majority of Room Escape games on mobile devices looked like they were knocked up in Flash in an afternoon, with no animation accompanying flicking a switch or turning a key. In contrast, I really felt like I was inhabiting the room, and having to actually turn keys and drag switches added to the immersion. Basing all of the puzzles on the surfaces of a multi-layered ornate box was a great touch, and brought back hazy memories of marvelling at Strange Machines and Mists when I was younger. Sadly, and not entirely unlike the Mists series, the attempts in rooms 2 and 3 to pile features and lore building on top of a simple concept wore pretty wore thin pretty quick for me. Moving away from a small but intricately detailed box into a series of rooms stripped away some of the magic and gave us some pretty dull-looking rooms to traipse through instead. At the same time, attempts to pad out the story only served to wash away the sense of mystery that was originally so appealing. The addition of new mechanics in the sequels provided brief moments of intrigue, but the layering of multiple objects and rooms turned the third instalment into a bland chore as the camera lurched from one perspective to another. I eventually completed it, but I was so mind numbingly bored by the finish that I couldn't tell you what happened in the story. It reminded me strongly of some of the worst excesses of the adventure game genre in the mid to late 90s. The first game in the trilogy is a near-essential mobile game for me, but I can't recommend the rest. I hope the developers can one day recapture the charm of the original and apply it to something completely different in tone, rather than build out this rather drab universe any further. From Toki on the forums, who is Tom Quilfelt, uh, you only have to glance at, at uh, the room game to know that it has nailed its core concept, making virtual these beautifully in- intricate, tangible-looking puzzle boxes. Uh, I can't guess at how the developers conceived of each one, let alone how they made them look so convincing in terms of textures, animation, and so on. My wife and I devoured every game as it was released, and were always left wanting more. Each game flew by so quickly, and we always felt like we were easily f- flitting through these amazing puzzles that must have taken an age to design. We loved almost everything about them. My only criticism of these beautifully crafted games is that they are too easy for dedicated puzzle fans, making the experience seem fleeting and the wait between titles seem all the longer. We do have one other piece of feedback, which was by email, which you can uh, you can get to us uh, at podcast at caneandrince.com. Uh, again, the schedule uh, you can find on forums and on the, the website. And if you go there, you can kind of find out and when, when we're going to be recording and email in advance. Um, this is from, from Ben, who says, I'm not usually one for mobile gaming, preferring to spend my commuting or waiting time scrolling through Twitter and Facebook. The Room and its sequels, however, are an exception to this, being one of the few mobile game series I've become heavily invested in. The first game took me by surprise, appearing in the top played games of the Google App Store, despite costing $3.99 it had to be worth a look. I was fairly dubious at first, but the slow burn of the story and the manner in which those puzzles start to ramp up kept me hooked from start to finish, and in my opinion this first game really is the best in the series. The later games moved away from what made the first game so good. In trying to expand a larger setting and lore, I think they lost the implied mystery I enjoyed so much in the first game. Nonetheless, the, few, the puzzles kept my brain working, and the series as a whole remains one of the few mobile games I've seen through to completion. The Room Trilogy set a high benchmark for what mobile gaming is capable of, a benchmark that few games have been able to match. Sadly, I think games like The Room will be few and far between on mobile, because developers stand to make better money from Candy Crush and the like. But I will always be thankful that we had The Room. Love the show. Cheers, Ben Munro. Thank you very much, Ben, for the uh, the input and for your perspective uh, which leads us to the second way that you can or third way I guess after email and forum, that you can get in touch with the show and, and give us your feedback on, on the games our patented three word reviews <laughs> uh, patent pending um, which if you follow at Cane and Rinse on Twitter you will find that on the day of recording we pop out a nice tweet asking for you to let us know what you think of the game in three words no more, no less. Um, I will kick us off and we'll go in alphabetical order thereafter. So, Glenn Watts at Mr. Flabio says, Cthulhu, but Guilford. Matthew Woolley
3: at MattFantastic on Twitter says, favourite phone game.
1: Andrew Brown at Play Critically, oh
2: hi, mysteries. <laughs> John, John Lloyd said, deliciously creepy atmosphere.
0: And finishing off a three-word review from previous correspondent, uh, Tom Q., at t quill says picture perfect puzzles all that uh, we require to do now is leave you our thoughts Uh, i'll be fairly quick because i've talked way too much already in this for me the room games are a pretty great example of what we talked about as premium mobile gaming Um, the tactility that we mentioned is really a massive massive draw for me i've not uh felt anything quite like what the room games do in terms of the intricate movements and interactions uh, with a puzzle box in front of you um, appealed to me right off the bat and I'm absolutely not yet tired of it uh, i I do agree with the criticisms about the series getting grander but the story piecing it together kind of taking new information from a sequel and putting it back into what I know of the first game and building up this story to the point where I'm fairly sure the craftsman is uh, the great can, Simon Grayson, um, because there's some stuff about uh, him mentioning that Maggie Cox was a peddler of lies and he should know because he concocted the lies, which obviously suggests a a close relationship. Uh, But anyway, that's my theorising and I'm hoping In some way, shape or form we might find out uh, that because the Craftsman does kind of stand as an odd addition uh, out of nowhere after AS kind of departed the Mortal Coil. Uh, But the very fact that I'm theorising about the story in a series of um, mobile games that may have passed many people by but certainly didn't me just shows how kind of invested I am in, in these games. But what keeps me going is the puzzling, and as I say, that tactility. Uh, I'm just really intrigued to see where we go next. Uh, I'd absolutely recommend them, but as Tony said, it didn't look great on PC to me, so I'd recommend a mobile device if you can possibly manage one. Uh, so yeah, high recommendation from me. Uh, Tony up next.
2: Um, I'm a bit all over the the place with him. Like I think the the first game, although the most focused, feels a little bit bitty um, by today's standards. Um, but equally, I think the last game feels a little bit too um, stretched. Um, and I think, the, if we're reviewing the trilogy here, I think the second game is is a nice sweet spot for me, where the puzzles haven't been stretched to the very limit, but also you know you can scratch your brain and then kind of you know the, yeah, there's there's enough there to 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 engage and, and charm and um, and and really get behind it. But you know, it's it's one of those things. If, if I can't just recommend jumping into the second game, so um, yeah, I, I think the series is is worth checking out. And I, I I do I don't think the PC is the the probably the place where to to do it unless that's your only option. And and this and this has intrigued you enough that you should go there. But I, I you know, I think control wise, clearly you know the touch devices are the best place to be playing them. They're cheap. Um, they're certainly accessible. Um, and I think you know, if anything we've said today is piqued your interest then absolutely you know jump onto it and I think if the first two games do charm you enough or the first game charms you enough then it's a fairly small price to pay to get into the second two um, for me personally I think they were just a little bit too bitty and as I said stuck between um, a couple of bigger games I expected them to be somewhat of a palate cleanser and actually I found them um, so i found the two the first two games to be a palette cancer but i found the third game to be a bit of a chore to, to get through by the end although i have to say you know just looking at the reviews and looking at the the app store reviews it's absolutely universally loved by many many people you know there's thousands of uh you know five star reviews on there so i think you know it, it may be a case of what didn't quite get under my skin really if, if you know really can get under your skin if, if given the chance um so mm. for me not essential but enjoyable um, trilogy to play through.
0: Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, Carl, your thoughts?
3: It, it, when you break it into three different games, it's always had to sort of wrap it up. Uh, they do feel quite different from one another. Um, Tony definitely sort of Hinted at the first one feeling a bit bitty, I would say it's, it, it could feel a bit basic compared to the scale of the other two. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it's more focused on the one element of solving puzzle boxes uh, and isn't restricting itself to being story-based. I think the second one goes some place further. It has some really good puzzles. The pirate ship section in particular is something that really shone. Uh, with the third one, I really loved the mood and character, and being drawn to that sort of Eldritch horror style with Cthulhu and, and whatnot, really. Um, it's something that I enjoyed. Um, And I I think for anyone who really wants to go in and look after the story, the trilogy definitely offers something there. Uh, With the fourth one coming up, I think that's something to be excited about. The fact that you can pick the whole game series up for less than £10 on either format, uh, either mobile format, I should say. I wouldn't necessarily recommend the PC version because I love how it plays with the interactivity of a touchscreen. Um, I think it definitely showcases what's possible with a mobile Uh, Device, Uh, So I would certainly recommend playing it that way. Um, The one spanner in the works leading to now is something that I wasn't expecting to talk about. And that's the fact that for a similar price to picking up this series, you can also pick up The Witness. Um, And that is also a very, very good uh, visual puzzler uh, with a lot of depth. Um, Perhaps a little bit more open-ended than this. It's hard to draw too much on that as a game because... I would rather do that when or if we cover that that title. Sure, yeah. um, But it's certainly something that if you're coming to buy it, you have to weigh up. Um, you're buying into three games with a fourth coming or you're buying a whole product for a very similar sum of money. What I would say that is if you go to the, the, the Room Trilogy, you will get a very uh, positive series of games that look, sound, wonderful, have some brilliant puzzles. Who the lower points um, are far outweighed by the positives of the game, and it's certainly a series that. Um when you play on mobile, it's like a it's it's sort of a one and done. Uh, ignore the the multiple endings and chasing them in the third game. That mm-hmm. wasn't for me. I like you, you play the first game, you finish it. You play the second game, you finish it. That's it. There's no reason to go back. It's not one of those uh, match three kind of games. It's no Candy Crush where you go back in, you keep doing a little bit more. Um, you know, it, it's no Clash of Clans where you again you're doing the same sort of thing over and over. you're you play it you experience it, you finish it, you move on and I think that that is the biggest positive uh, element that these games bring, it doesn't cheapen itself by requiring people to come back, by implementing microtransactions, by changing up puzzles, by adding additions Um, but it, it feels a far more complete product so I absolutely recommend playing the Room Trilogy
0: Excellent, thank you very much uh, Paul, we had you on uh, off the top of my head for uh, the very least The Manhunt Show, and it has been an absolute pleasure having you back on here. And Rock Band. Would you like to? You. Uh, <laughs>
1: and Rock Band. And, oh, <laughs> of
0: course, Rock Band. My apologies. I, how could I forget Rock <laughs> <laughs> uh, It's been an absolute pleasure having you on again. Would you like to uh, give us your thoughts on The Room Trilogy?
1: I think it's just going to be a bit of a sort of composite of everyone else's. (laughs) But yes, I mean, I think the one thing I like about um, these games is they really do, I think as, as everyone else said, they play to the strengths of the, you know, the platform on which they were first conceived. So, you know, mobile, I think, depending I suppose it depends on the size of phone screen you have but I think the sort of tablet so an iPad or equivalent sized Android tablet is probably the best place to play it if you can um, and uh, the third one uh, occasionally disappears uh, up its uh, up its uh, proverbials a little bit <laughs> too much so it isn't maybe quite as engaging possibly because it feels a bit sort of a bit padded out and stuff um, but yeah uh, it it's certainly a series well worth your time. It's uh, absolutely, and I think yeah, the seat this it's the room too. I think is really where where they got they got the balance just right. Um, but yeah, I I I wouldn't ha- I wouldn't hesitate to recommend them, despite the fact that we've been uh, maybe a little bit critical of the third one here. Um, so yeah, definitely definitely check them out.
0: Excellent. Thank you very very much. Uh, before we uh, before I do the wrap up, is are there any plugs you would like to give for? Places for people to find you if they'd like to interact with you or talk to you or anything.
1: Uh, I mean, I'm, in, I'm on Twitter. I'm, uh, I'm at Blake but that I, you know, I, I I, I will, I, I mostly discuss running and stuff. But I, I will, if, if anyone wants to talk about the room, but please feel free.
0: <laughs> Absolutely excellent. Thank you very much once again for uh, joining us.
1: Thank you for thank you for having me. <laughs>
0: Our absolute pleasure. It only remains, therefore, for me, James, to thank Tony, Carl, and our very special guest, Paul Schotten, as well as Editor Sean, all of our lovely correspondents, and all of you wonderful people for listening. Uh, remember, if you've enjoyed this and our other shows, please consider heading to our Patreon page and donating the minimum of $1 per month. Uh, if enough of you do this, we can make double the amount of Rince shows in the future. So head to patreon.com forward slash and make it happen. Next time, in issue 289, Josh will find himself at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean, trying to shepherd his crew through a treacherous underwater facility in Frictional Games' SOMA.